people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back into another edition of the deluded podcast and i mean it's been an eventful week in the premier league if we just look at three teams that make up the 50 percent of the top six in particular spurs clearly don't want to get top four based on how they played against everton man united away to bournemouth was atrocious and then we had my team arsenal which like spurs dropped points so we, do any of these teams and their individual sets of managers and whatnot want to get Champions League football people? It's just a game of chicken. And if you're a fan of either of these clubs, the only tonic for a crazy sort of weekend is that the other teams dropped points. Um, Leicester, obviously, they're one of the best teams at the moment in the Premier League on terms of current form. They score a lot of goals in the second half and they kept it up, people. So, yeah. Before we crack on with the Premier League, we'll just speak about the Premier League or what happened and uh, or what happened in the Premier League. Better yet, people, it's important to talk about things which, sadly, in an ideal world, shouldn't be speaking, spoken of, or spoken about. But we have to highlight racism. It has no place in football, people. I know a lot of you, um, no doubt, have come across on social media. Balotelli for his team, Brestia, forgive me for mispronunciation, played in a match um, against Veronia, forgive me if I'm wrong. Long story short, Balotelli walked off the pitch temporarily um, after booting the ball into the stands and the game was halted for a number of moments. This came after racist abuse that he shouldn't have to tolerate and I, I like it people, I like that Balotelli's walked off because nobody, people can talk about Balotelli's antics and his maturity and Listen, you you lot that have been following football know Balotelli, but one thing that he could sadly probably write, write a Harry Potter's novel on is racism. You can you could you can write the own stories that Balotelli, the prejudices Balotelli grew up with in Italy as as a black kid, um, and you can imagine the amount of stick he's taken in his career. And you can't begrudge him if he's had enough. Now he walked off, and you did see several players around him trying to. Obviously, I can't understand Italian or whatever language. I can assume certain people were trying to tell him to stay on and whatnot. The game did continue and he actually scored in the 80th minute, 80-odd minute. But it's sad that we have to speak about this. And this also comes after, obviously, the Bulgarian um, national team was fined what can be described as pennies. We've seen other, we've seen people wearing sponsored merchandise under their football kit, taxed, well, I say taxed, I need to speak in a proper dialect. We've seen them fined more. Um, we've seen people for FFP find more. It's just another slap on the wrist in terms of racism and the relevant footballing bodies within Europe, where the major leagues are, just simply don't care. So this follows on from Bulgaria being fined pennies for their racial um, charges. And also two, two Burnley fans, I believe, have more or less been acquitted for racial abuse and homophobic chants again, um, at well, the the chant, the racism was to a, a, a former Brighton footballer. I'm not actually sure if belongs still there. And homophobic chants. Now, there's allegedly a lack of evidence, and I believe their last names are Higgins. But it's a son and it's a son and and dad duo people. And I mean, both of them are waste men. Both of them probably wouldn't give this verbal in any other di- dimension of life. Both of them dismissed it as banter. But I mean, it's it's quite sad for the for the dad in particular. Like if you you've clearly taught your son nothing but hate. You've clearly taught him nothing but ignorance. And to see them somewhat get some sort of pride out of them, that people, it does bring you back to the saying ignorance is bliss. The only tonic is that they will get their just deserves one day because there will be somebody that quite frankly will not have enough. So we've spoken about racism, people. 
we might as well crack on with the football now or things in better in, in, in other news or things that are actually why we're here for this podcast. So should we speak about Arsenal first? Let's speak about Arsenal people. Now Arsenal, I love this club, but they're killing me slowly, people. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's this week was just another tough week in which has been a, a number of tough, tough few games. We've won two games in the last nine. We've continued our poor form of recent and off the backdrop of last season. It doesn't look like it's getting better from an Arsenal perspective. I'm trying to have hope. At the end of the day, we're fifth, three, well, four points. If because obviously we go level if we beat Leicester with with someone in the top four. But I'd say four minimum to obviously go ahead of them. There's still very much more, a lot to play for in November, but for me, there's several reasons to kind of not be confident. We keep it for me, first and foremost, it's the way we're playing, people. It's just the way we're playing now. I don't know why we're playing this poorly. We can talk about tactics, we can talk about the utilization of players. I don't know why. I just see, I just can't see it getting better because we are our own worst enemies, Arsenal. I just said Spurs United and 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 us. Everybody's playing chicken. Eventually, some team has to take advantage. And these teams, um, come on now. We can say individuals are better. But would you say that Spurs squad dramatically is in better shape right now than Arsenal's? Probably not. And especially because of the the, 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 the backroom stuff that you hear is going on with Spurs and whatnot, to a degree, people. Well, United. United are a long way away from being the United of old. Clearly, their manager recognises it. Clearly, they had a tough performance. Well, they did a tougher tough way to put it nicely against Bournemouth it's a game of chicken we need to be galvanized we have to have some consistency for me you're looking at it first 10 games of the season are just important as the lot every game is important but the only ones the ones that really set set out for me people when you get through it the nitty and gritty it's the first 10 games and the last 10 games give or take because obviously the first 10 games it's about setting the tempo it's about setting the pace we know match fitness tactics were not there but it's about just getting three points um and just staying near the pack obviously the last towards may now the last 10 games people it's where you all this hard work that you put into the season it can all become unstuck so it's about remaining focused and it's about not letting that happen don't let all the blood sweat and tears and pre-season playing away at whatever ground on a cold Monday night don't let it all be for nothing people and I don't feel the the club or the players specifically are as galvanized right now and and, and are able to do that because we're not seeing it Sheffield United we was a poor we know we should have went out there and played with some sort of we just a damn right better performance than what we went out there with cool it happens our waveform is bad we take that on the on the chin but there's no reaction there was not the performance was lacking against Sheffield United there was no reaction and game management in the Crystal Palace game and the similar themes remained with the Wolves game Wolves's goal should have been a consolation people but like you keep seeing we either ironically Palace was different we either are slow to start if we get that goal we do not kill teams in the first half I mean we do not kill teams when we get that first goal we don't kill teams and shut out games in the first half and it comes back to bite us you look at Chelsea against Watford now Chelsea I think Lampard is doing a great job there personally people 
and I think Chelsea fans can be excited. The one question mark you would probably say over Lampard and his men is defensively. They conceded another goal through whatever circumstances against Watford, but they scored two goals, so it was a consolation. Now, it's dangerous to consistently rely on overscoring and, uh, and things like that, but you get my point. If we, I don't want to talk about ifs and buts, but we're not killing teams. We're not shooting. We're allowing record shots on our, tar- on, on our goal. We're having possession for no reason. We're shooting at record lows. The team is an identity of the manager now. He's been here for 15 months and it's, it's, this is it. We can't even say if Emre's a, 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 an attacking manager, defensive manager, pragmatic manager, because you can't see anything from that Arsenal side. And that's arguably worse because that shows you he's failed to really put his landmark on the team. And for me, these players have got to bounce back for themselves, people, because you, 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 you lot have been... Everything has been said about you with the media. People have questioned your captain. Do you lot not feel personally shot by that? There needs to be a reaction. You look at the you look at the November to December, early January period, people, and they speak for us. We've got we've got Chelsea as well twice, I'm sure, in recent months. We've got we've got City, we've got United, and the Premier League is unforgiving, people. It sounds cliche, but there are no easy games within this league. It's as simple as that. We need to start playing like a team that wants to get a Champions League. Consistency, competency, and consistency, people. We need to show our competence. We're lacking competency defensively, so we haven't got any consistency there. We've got no consistency there. How can we talk about getting three points and putting a run of form together, people? You can say teams are better than other teams and whatnot, but we are the only reason as to we why we don't get top four. You look at Chelsea. I'm sure Chelsea had a bit of a wobble at the start of the season, or people were talking whatever. They're taking, they're laughing because week in week out now they're seeing their rivals drop points and they're running away with it. People again, it can all flip for Chelsea in the same way it could all flip positively for Arsenal. But these are all ifs and buts and whatever. Chelsea will go through probably a bad patch of form in the season. That happens to every team. We will drop more points, but we've shot ourselves in the foot. We've got to talk about damage limitation. You never know. As a result of I don't know winning at Sheffield United. Could, could afford you to lose somewhere else early on in the season. I don't feel that, that that makes complete sense, but what I'm trying to get is damage, damage limitation, people. You've got to factor in 38 games. There's going to be the odd game where the team is just not on it. It's a bad day. The other team, you're going to have the days where it's just a bad day and things go wrong and everything goes wrong. You're going to have days where the team are just better. Just They were just the better men, the better 11 people. They just did what they needed to do and they, they went out there. But too often they're not, it's not, that's not the case with Arsenal people. It's cheap goals we're conceding, it's cheap victories teams are running away with. Teams are not walking away with the Emirates. Like you could ask Palace and Wolves thinking, boy, you know, Arsenal made us work for this point. They never, these are cheap points we're giving away to teams people. Cheap points. People are laughing. People are laughing at us people. It was even away to Watford, cheap points. These teams are not necessarily being at the, in fact, give Watford credit. I feel Watford did all right, but... Wolves weren't necessarily great. Palace weren't great. The difference is in the second half, these teams woke up and thought, all right, you know what, yeah. I know this is Arsenal, but they're not really killing us. It's only 1-0 or so. We can go out there and do something. Do you get it? Our inability to hold a lead and manage out games, obviously, is a bit of it is down to the personnel just not being good enough, but it's down to the manager. Coaching is a big part of this role, people. Obviously... Coaching can only go so far until you bring in better players, but it's not as white and black, and it's never been as white and black since Emery came here to say, if he gets X, Y, Z player back from injury, whether it was all the defensive players, the Holdings, the Tierneys, the Bellerins, and all the attackers and the rest of it, it's not as simple to say, 
It's not as simple to say once he gets these players back, we're going to be better because there's no system. There's a, every issue we we find ourselves on the pitch right now is systemic. Even certain individuals that make consistent errors, all these problems are systemic people. And to be fair, we didn't based on how we played on we we played like that against Bournemouth and Bournemouth didn't they had opportunities but they didn't take chances so we got away with it. We're making games harder than it has to be and we're letting ourselves down. The players are the ones out there playing, but it's the manager for me. And whether he's unable, whether his tactics don't work, whether the players are not able to understand it. Is it too little information? Is it too much information? Um, do they really believe in it? There's so many questions and I hope this isn't the case, people. But they've, if they really want to fight for him and they really believe in him, then they've got to show it. Because for me... If I'm one of them players, like you hear Bellerin say they're all behind them, behind Emery, for example, that's going to hurt me, people. If I see people talking about my manager that I'm behind like this and questioning him, that's going to make me try even harder in training, even more on a match day because of this. Because footballers are prideful, people. If man them are saying that about your coach, you should take that as someone saying that about your mother or, or father or something, people. We failed to shoot we failed to manage the game again we're not really creating our goals through magic bits of play it's more just individual lapses and in concentration by the other team like palace switched off for two corners um when we faced them wolves were poor they switched off from an i, I can't remember it was a friend but louise made something out of nothing he puts the ball into the box prior to that or in the build-up better yet the wolves managed just doing poorly Good play from from Louise Aubameyang and Lacazette to all combined and do their thing, but it weren't. We're not really clipping teams open, really. So all the things are there, people, and we even that. That's the one thing we should be saying about Emery. We should be saying that the front three is. The, we shouldn't. The, why I have question marks as well beyond the defensive stuff. We should be saying oh, at least the attacking options are on point. The attackers are on point. We should be speaking about how we get better balance from midfield and defence to enable our attackers to fully thrive. Yes, Aubameyang is scoring goals, but can you say we're playing to his strengths and giving him the best platform to score even more goals, which could help make the difference for us? Lacazette, when he plays, Pepe, obviously, teething problems and a lot of that he has to hold his own hands up to. But is the system the best? Is there any single attacking player that's really thriving at Arsenal? When we play on a football pitch, is the system we're playing looking like it thrives the attacking talents of the game or provokes their imagination? You have to say no, people, really and truly. So it is what it is in that regards. Arsenal are where we are through a result of Emre's mismanagement over the pre-season because pre-season is where he should have really worked on defensive drills, remaining compact and stuff. So at least we could see a little fibre of what we're trying to go with this season. I'm not asking Arsenal to be the finished article, but since he's been here, I've been trying to critique his his time here positively like okay he's a month let's just say he's coming to the job he's here for a month we're not expecting him to change it but do you get it now we're looking at four months okay six months we don't expect to be the finished article but what are we seeing from this squad and we've now found ourselves 15 months or so into the role and we still don't know well based on what Emery is doing we don't know our best squad we don't know really know this squad's capabilities we don't really know their strengths and weaknesses yes you could probably say we're set up to outscore teams more so than defend because of the caliber of players in attack versus defense there is we've got championships at best there's a couple individuals that shout out to Rob Holding um, and whatnot but we've got probably championship quality defenders collectively at best in specifically referring to center half options if, if you think I'm being too harsh and I probably am just players that are not going to make the difference for you players that really have an inability to concentrate for large periods of time and will let you down time and time again 
But that's Arsenal, we're fifth, man. Moving on to United, similar to Arsenal, their woes continue. Similar to Emre, there has to be question marks over Ole Solskjaer's credentials to be the man to move Manchester United forward because they're looking poor. I don't know what Fred is on. I'm seeing a lack of movement. The movement that looked like in pre-season, what was that game? I swear, pre-season looked like United were moving mad. But there was a game, like, was it Chelsea, where they looked devastating on the counter-attack? It's just not happening again anymore for United. And it was a good goal from their former academy prospect, Josh King. Obviously, he's come back to haunt them. I believe he's broke his own personal goal, Duck people. So that's decent for him. Obviously, Leicester, I watched the Leicester game with even more interest because we've got them at, at, away at their place. And they showed why they're a good team. I think they've, they at times they're a team, from what I've seen, to wake up in the second half. And I could be wrong, but I'm sure they've got the most goals in the second half in the Premier League. Arsenal typically start second halves appallingly. So that might be something for you lot. And I'd like to think the players to consider going to Leicester's King Power Stadium next Saturday evening, people. Because the form Leicester's in, they won 2-0, did what they needed to do. Vardy's in form, Telemans is in form, Siyunchu is in form. Everybody's playing well. The manager, Brendan Rodgers, is doing his thing. They should be looking at Arsenal like lions, looking at hungry zebras, people, looking at young zebras that, that don't know nothing about the world, that are so naive to their impending death, they don't even know what go on, people. That is how Leicester should be looking at Arsenal. And no disrespect to Leicester, um, they've won the Premier League more recent than us. But a game like this, you should be speaking about Arsenal and how Leicester are doing damage limitation. It's Arsenal. It's Arsenal fans hoping that we only lose 2-0 or concede two goals or we hope we can nick it. You get it? We hope we can get a goal and ride our luck. We can't. For me, if you can't, no disrespect to these teams, but we have shown we can't go to Brighton away, Southampton away, Leicester away, Wolverhampton away. I'm putting convincing performances. I'm talking convincing. Whether we've got the luck of the green and got away with something or not, convincing. No disrespect to these teams. So how the hell can you go to Old Trafford and win something we ain't done in the Premier League since 2006, regardless of how Manchester United are at this moment in time? How can you go to Anfield? How can we go to the Etihad? How can we go to these grounds, people? I wasn't you Spurs fans probably thought I was going to say White Hart Lane. Come on now, man. I, you get the point. The Arsenal badge is out. But until that away form improves Arsenal can't do anything man and a lot of that is down to how we defend so I'm scared of Leicester people obviously there was dramatics in Liverpool and Manchester City's games people both teams challenging for the league both scored two goals in the last couple of minutes people Manchester City that's exactly what you like can't remember the other scorer Carl Walker grabbed one after Ward Prowse I believe put Southampton ahead but Carl Walker grabbed one and I can't remember who got the other goal but I'm sure City don't care. And this is what I'm talking about. Sometimes you're just not completely at it because of the form Southampton's been on. Um, they were due a good performance, but City probably, ex not expected, but should have probably made lighter, lighter work of their opposition people. And they didn't. Sometimes you've just got to grind out results, in which they did. Um, winning 2-1, I believe. Aston Villa, unlucky, man. Similar, they almost took points off Liverpool and Arsenal before comebacks from respective sides. Now, courtesy of Andy Robertson, who's normally assisting, probably thinks it's too mainstream, scored. And obviously, Mane scored, so they nicked a win. So, three valuable points for both teams, especially for Liverpool, as they maintain their gap over Manchester City. And I think for Liverpool, they're approaching a very testing time. They're still in all competitions. They've got the World Club Cup. They we're obviously only in November, so there's numerous Premier League games and Champions League games to play. World Club Cup, 
Kat Yarabal Cup will be rescheduled, but they've rescheduled, but they've played in it. Rotated squad, but they've played in it and they'll have to play in it. And their FA Cup games will be fitted around their other fixtures because they've got a gazillion fixtures, but the FA Cup comes into it. So it'll be a test in time when we get to the new year for Liverpool, especially if they maintain this lead because their whole squad is going to be tested. I'm sure Liverpool want to retain the Champions League and obviously win the Prem, so they'll be strong on them fronts. I don't feel they'll disrespect the FA Cup and they're so close to getting to a final in the League Cup. So I think they'll respect every competition, but there's going to be a lot of fatigue. Also, there's going to, there might be some injuries. Klopp, Klopp and his coaching staff might have to come to a decision where, and Klopp is a professional, so I don't think he will, but to a degree, he's going to have to fa- kind of factor in which competitions are more important because there's a case they, they almost lost to Villa. They could still technically, they ain't lost in the league this season, so they could do the Invincibles. But competing in everything, the demands of the game, the fast turnaround of the game that they've played in and the fixtures to come, one makes you think it's a big test on their squad. And obviously, for the young players, there's going to come a time, I, I don't advocate just waiting on the bench for opportunities and whatnot, but there's going to be a time potentially where they're going to be utilised, people. Um, there is what it is. Everton obviously got a dramatic goal, obviously, to to draw 1-1 against Tottenham, who went down to 10 men. Spurs choked. I know Spurs, the one bit of quality was Deli Ali's goal um, and the move that came into it. But really and truly, both Everton and Spurs were quite similar to the Arsenal game. It was quite stale, quite lively, quite li- um, lifeless. I think Ndombele is a ball of people and he done some good passes. But generally, there wasn't much to it. I feel Everton should be feel hard done by by VAR um, for Deli Ali, um, but they got their just deserves, man. There's a lovely cross um, and for Czech Tosin. Obviously, we can't not speak about Andre Gomez. I know you all saw um, what happened to him, not as a result of Son's challenge, but as a direct consequence of that action. I believe not necessarily not Son. What I don't mean Son dived in and whatnot. What I mean by that is. Obviously, they're both chasing for the ball or whatever. If that doesn't happen, then he doesn't twist his ankle or whatever. It looked like it got caught in the turf. I want to say speedy recovery and all of these sort of things to Andre Gromez because the players did look... Both sets of players did look distraught. He probably faces a lengthy timeout. Obviously, for him, he's just getting a decent bit of form for Everton and he's, his confidence has been shot for a while after Barcelona not, not really working out. And also, um, I don't know for Portuguese international selection, but I'd imagine he is someone you would have thought could potentially go to Euro 2020. Fingers crossed and he can play some part this season and it's not as first first feared, but it did look quite bad. And I do believe, without being a doctor or anything, it did look like his season is over, people, and he's going to be out for a, a very long time. But fingers crossed and he's in all our thoughts, people. Sheffield United beat Burnley 3-0. I know Burnley haven't been the best of in the best of form, but it was a uncharacteristic performance from the highlights I saw against Burnley. Let themselves down defensively, Sean Dyche's men. Good performance from Sheffield United, another convincing win for them. Doing good things and having a season to remember in the Prem. Obviously, Longstrom, I can never say his name. I think he's a former Everton player. He scored two goals and he's living the dream. I swear he was playing in League 2 for Oxford City at a time. Now he's in the Premier League scoring goals, doing what a lot of us wanted to do Growing up, scoring goals. Brighton beat Norwich, which could be an, an important three points for them sort of sides at that level there, people. Um, West Ham, surely there's going to be pressure on Pellegrini because Newcastle really could have been 6-7 up and the two goals they conceded really makes the score like the game look closer than it was and they made it harder for themselves. I think um, 
Oh, what's that lad's name, man? Maxi, Maximine, Saint Maximine. I can never say his name. Baller, cage baller. All the skills. If his end product was 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 of that level, no disrespect to Newcastle, he wouldn't be there. Um, good three points for Newcastle on the road for their travelling fans and themselves. Um, but there's got to be question marks at West Ham in regards to what they are doing, people, because it's not going to get any better. Going back to the Everton game, people, is it just me or have you got a kind of question? Kind of question, Marco Silva now, because surely Everton's hierarchy have got to be coming to a point where they think, yo, let's, we might need to nip this in the bud. We might need to change it. We might need to get rid of him because it doesn't look like it's paying off of sorts here, people. Um, I like Marco Silva, but... um. I haven't really seen what he's trying to do at Everton, man. I don't really see the blueprint. They're not really playing well. There was a a good reaction against Spurs, obviously, to to, to get a point from the game, and obviously a good um, and obviously the week before, I believe they won. But generally, they just I'm just not seeing it with Marco Silva, considering the money spent as well and whatnot. You'd think there'd be more of a blueprint, but moving on from that, moving on from the Premier League and whatnot. Moving on from that, people, and obviously, let me bring this mic closer because I've noticed it's gone further away. Obviously, moving on from the Premier League and whatnot, it's, it's, I believe on Wednesday we're playing in the Europa League. It's early in the morning, so I can't actually remember. We're playing Victoria in the champion, in the Europa League, sorry. I wish it was a Champions League. And I, I said it in my preview, but I do think that Xhaka, if, if he is going to play Xhaka, He's not going to have a... I think it's too early to bring Xhaka back into the team, but he's probably not going to have a better avenue to probably play him. There's Obviously, there's going to be a way support at Arsenal and congratulations to them for their support. I wish I could go and support Arsenal to that level, but I can't. Um, so Xhaka would probably be jeered and stuff, but it still won't be at the Emirates. And I mean, the quicker he brings him back into the team, whether I agree with it or not, the quicker we can... Arsenal fans kind of don't make a big deal out of Xhaka pl playing again. And I say that, um, I say that regardless of when Jacker plays or not, there are going to be a lot of boos and it's probably going to overshadow a couple of games and whatnot. I think it's too early to bring Jacker in, but potentially against Victoria, he might. In my preview, I forgot to mention Joel Willock and I think he should be playing in the pivot. He's been starved of football recently. But specific to Arsenal, and I mean statistics that are coming out this early morning, it's not sounding any better for us people. All you got to do is look at it. We have taken 24 points from our last 18 Premier League games, con conceding 27 goals and scoring 24. If that's not mid-table form, if that's not top 10 form, let alone top 6, let alone top 4, I don't know what is. And it's alarming. All of that can't just be blamed with Emre because he's, he's not alone with it. But at the end of the day, what we're seeing now is a, a, a result of the hours of what we've been doing. I can only assume of what we've been doing in training and it's not of the levels a team is a reflection of the manager we know lack of concentration lack of defensive know-how all of these things can be attached to these individual players but Emery's been here 15 months and it's it's not happened man it's it's not happened there should be a bit a bit of improvement especially systemic and there's not been so there's not really a, a leg for Emery to stand on carrying on the team continues to be low in shot output last season Arsenal averaged 12.3 shots per match this season it is 12.9 um, per match, so it's still slightly up, but it's it's it's, it's still down. Um, in Wenger's last three three seasons, it was around 15 shots per game. Defensively, we were we were a mess last season, and nothing has changed. We still continue to leak goals. Last season we conceded 1.34 um, goals per game. 
this season is 1.36 so we're getting worse defensively just by using our eyes and obviously statistically people obviously this season Arsenal are averaging 1.5 goals per game last season it was 1.9 now maybe a lot of that is not just Aubame- a lot of that is obviously Aubameyang's the, the the low ratings we've got is Aubameyang pulling this team by himself people I don't know if it's if it's that, that's just Premier League I'm going to assume it is Apologies for that one there, people. Um, but like I was saying, a, a large portion of that is obviously Aubameyang's terrific form in front of goal. Um, a part of that is probably why it's down. It's probably Lacazette's lack of goals because he's been injured. But it also shows that last season, we were all, our, our goals or our productivity productivity in front of, of goal was helping us turn over teams and was clouding judgment. I mean, I always say the Cardiff away. Lacazette and Aubameyang turned that game around for us and got us victory but we made it harder than it has to be and what wasn't necessarily reflected with the eyes at the beginning of last season when the form goes out of the window you now see it people um, moving on from that though I mean it's statistically it's, it's, it's concerning we're not shooting we're allowing record shots defensively we're a mess there's not a single fragment we've improved that and if we miss out on top four it is because of us and only us you look at Spurs dropping more points last night United again on the road struggling similar to us Chelsea are the only ones out of the two three teams I've just mentioned um, that want to really get top four because Chelsea are Chelsea are putting in the, the shifts and getting the results to, to warrant getting in top four Lampard's not playing about in his first season he wants to continue being in the Champions League people it is well it is in that regards like I said, man, to only take 24 points from our last 18, conceding 27 and scoring 24 is mediocre, people. It is mediocre. What, two wins from our last nine Premier League games? Is this If this is another club with another manager in another situation, the manager get, loses the job. And I know it's not the Arsenal way to get rid of people and I would love Emre to turn it around. And I don't necessarily think getting rid of him without a proper plan of who is going to come in is going to fix things. But the club have to be leaning towards getting rid of him mid-season, people. It's 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 only logical, surely, because it's not it's not looking like it's gonna get any better, people. If we look at reports coming out of the Daily Mail by Sammy Mock Bell specifically, um, firstly he said a number of players have serious reservations about Emre, um, who many believe is too conservative in his approach in game. So if the players are struggling to understand your tactics, struggling is one thing, not believing in you is another thing. Because someone might not understand what you're trying to do, but they'll ride for you. If they believe, if, if even four, five players don't believe in you, that is going to rub off on the rest of the boys. And you will sub, and again, I'm not saying they're not going to try, but subconsciously you will see a drop off in their application. You will see an even more of a drop off on the field. And there's a saying saying it's got to get worse before it gets better. I don't want that to be the case because mathematically the Premier League is still there for the um, for the taking. Mathematically, we can still win the league. We're only what 14 points off it. Now I'm gassing people. On a serious note, top four were fifth. What Leicester have a comfy lead? Leicester can put us out of it if they beat us, obviously, um, on Saturday. Which, on current form, you'd expect us to to get smoked away at the KC King Power Stadium. Sorry, people. Um, so we're gonna need to fix up. So if they don't believe in him, Arsenal. If the hierarchy are seeing this and there's smoke, there's there, there's truth in this, and it's not just a smoke screen nonsense from the Daily Mail. They've got to nip this in the bud, people, um, and, and 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 quickly, really and truly. Um, it's also said 
well, he's also said the fans are turning on the manager. They were booed off following Saturday's draw at home to Wolves, a circumstance the board are very aware of. Another club, the players have been booed a couple of times this season when I've been at the Emirates because of poor form. I saw I didn't boo them at Wolves. I was just just too shut up to even care. I just wanted to get out of the game once the final whistle went. But you heard the boos and the longer it continues, it's not healthy. One thing I think Emre, I actually think he spoke well on, and since he's been here and he keeps doing it, is the need to get fans on side, the need to all be singing from the same hymn sheet. And he, a, a part of it is Arsenal fans just being special and obviously people got agendas and other couple fans are idiots and whatnot. But a part of the frustration has been because of Emre's tactics, because of our inconsistent form. To be fair, most people had question mark. Many people had question marks over Emre last season. But when we was winning games and and, and we was in the twenty two unbeaten, everybody was together. Because there is a lack of identity, that's why there's division. Some people want to give the manager time. Some people haven't got time for this guy anymore. And all these other things, people. We need to sing from the same hymn sheet. And if Emre is aware of that, he might have to pull the trigger himself, which I'm sure he doesn't want to do. Um, the big part, a big attraction for me of Emery getting this job is the lack of pressure at Arsenal as the head manager. The pressure is on him now, but last season, these same problems were still there. And I'm not saying rightly or wrongly, but a lot of it was masked under the guise of it's not his players, it's not his team, they don't know his thinking, they need time. And a lot of that was true, but again, I say the eye test people, you weren't seeing anything to show we're shaping up even in the slightest degree. And I think Emery relished that because, like I said, there was many players to hide behind. There's still players this season to hide behind and whatnot, but people are waking up um, slowly but surely. Moving away from that, the Mail said, Emery struggles to stay afloat, confused tactics and a lack of ideas as the Arsenal manager battles to save his job. Emery has been given this month to turn things around. Emery believes an away game to Victoria midweek could be the ideal time to reintroduce Xhaka to the team. So like I said, you, you it would look like an avenue in which Xhaka would get some game time and some minutes and slide into the team by people. Um, so it is what it is. Um, I see Bayern Munich clip their manager as well, people. Um, they got rid of Kovac. They're fourth in the table, I believe. Um, they're not top, but they're, not, they're, they're fourth in the table, so they mathematically can still win the Bundesliga. Allegedly, there's question marks over his ability to handle the dressing room and more specifically, not playing the Bayern Munich way. Now, that shows you how cutthroat football is. Like, he he can still win the league, he can still do whatever, but they don't believe he's the man. Clipped him. They lost at the weekend. I think Bolton got sent off as well. Um, Forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, I didn't watch the game, I watched the highlights. But um, how long before Kovac is linked to Arsenal? And I wouldn't be against it. I was rating him more for his job at Frankfurt after Munich, obviously, you're looking at him like, hey, 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 whoa. Um, style of play, I'm not too sure. But again, he's someone that can introduce a structure. He's someone that's innovative in ideas. He's someone that's got a clear way of thinking. I'm not saying to sign him. I'm saying how long before he's linked with Arsenal realistically with Emre's form. Also, you've got to speak about Jose Mourinho. Now, people forget, but he was linked to Spurs. That one seems to go gone away, but he's probably still eyeing that one up. Obviously, he's been linked to with Arsenal and he's previously spoken about managing in Germany. I mean, you can write it yourself. Bayern Munich post is gone. There's a caretaker boss at Bayern Munich currently taking charge. You can make a case for Jose. What people don't understand with Jose is that Jose will be an expensive risk as well. He's not expensive in the sense... I mean, he's not a risk in the sense that he's a household name in football, let alone the league. You know what Jose is about. Um, 
you hear the term proven winner. He is a proven winner in the Europa League um, with United in Europa League and historically of anything he's been in. But it's not the Jose of old people. He would probably get a defensive structure or get a better sort of system defensively at Arsenal. That's one thing I can convincingly say Jose will do. But it will be a costly appointment. We don't know how he'll manage relations because football's not ruled with an iron fist anymore. People forget Jose's going to want to come and his agent and whatnot, he's going to want to come on a three-year deal on some good money as well. You forget his agent as well. Um, so he'll get Mendes, I believe. So he'll get a very good deal, people. So it can be an expensive outlay. What goes over people's heads is Emre's, co um, Emre's coaching staff, Jose Mourinho's coaching staff, people. That's going to be a costly out outlay. Look how much it costs United to bring Jose in and his, and his backroom staff. I don't have the statistics to hand... But it was expensive. So that would be an expensive risk for Arsenal, for a manager that you can't necessarily say is going to fit in with our current model of developing these young players and building a team, people. He did have money to spend at United and it didn't happen. In his last season, yes, he was pleading for a centre-half and whatnot. Um, he was pleading for a centre-half and it didn't happen. I love jo Jose Mourinho as a manager and just as for what he's given to football. But I honestly believe if you... If you use your common logic, Arsenal fans, I can't see there's a case for bringing Jose Mourinho into this club. Don't let your thirst for a new man... In the same way that your hunger for a new manager let you accept all the nonsense that Emery is currently doing and has been doing um, away from Arsene Wenger and Wenger did need to leave. Don't let that thirst and that hunger for new make you desperate to say stupid stuff in regards to bringing in Jose. In fact, that's it's not stupid, but I genuinely believe you as an Arsenal fan, you're thinking stupid because it's not gonna it's not gonna bang for us. Obviously, if Jose came, he would get my support and I'd want him to do well. And um, but it it would be a risk, and we'd still be saying the same things in terms of style of play. People say he would ha he would have discipline and whatnot. Yeah, he would install discipline, but you saw how what he was doing at United it can become a bit toxic. We don't need that at the club at this moment in time. It would be a costly appointment just in terms of the figures. And can we guarantee that Jose is going to develop our squad and, and, and whatnot? No, we can't because it's not the Jose Mourinho probably of 2011. Yes, he won the Europa League, people. One thing Emre can't do, so he'd probably get us Champions League via that. But it will not be worth it, people. It will not be worth it because the same stuff you're saying now, we will be saying it. Because even if you remember his last tenure at United, the way it started, started to end, you started to see it kind of unravel um, in terms of defensively and whatnot, people. So I don't think Jose would be a sensible appointment, in my humble opinion. But I don't criticise anyone that... that, that I didn't mean to say stupid people. It just, yeah, man, if you believe in him, you believe in him. But moving on from that, people, let's look at some quick statistics, man. Chelsea's last five games, they've taken 15 out of 15 points. And that is the sort of form that gets you Champions League football. They deserve it. Many people are questioning Lampard. Them and they are laughing. The only criticism you can say of Chelsea is that within these in these five games that I've got here, the 2-0 against Brighton, 4-1 Southampton, 1-0 against... Um, Newcastle 4-2 against Burnley and 2-1 against Watford they just can't keep a clean sheet really like us but they have a clear way of playing and their goals have saved them there's going to come a time where Chelsea are going to need to keep clean sheets but they're showing consistency galvanisation motivation and playing for the manager clearly Chelsea is a bunch of players right now that are sitting there like yo listen there's no reason we can't get top 4 again we can't retain the Europa League because we're not in it but there's no reason we can't get top 4 again there's no reason we, we potentially can't even let alone fourth get further now that's what I like to see. well not that I like to see from Chelsea but from a neutral point of view you can't do nothing but respect Chelsea and their players and their coaching staff and everybody surrounding the club for that people 15 out of 15 points Arsenal should have something like that 
Look at the games Chelsea and Arsenal have played and tell me we shouldn't have something like that. The issue is games are not won on paper and our approach, our game management and our handling of the games when we face them in these, when we've done them, has been atrocious, people. So we have to hold our hands up, people. Even if you look at Kovacic, Kovacic and, 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 and Jorginho, them man there against Watford were, were brilliant people, man. Over 90% passing accuracy by both of them. Um, yeah, man. Kovacic attempted 12 long balls and 11 of them um, paid off. Um, it is what it is, people. I mean, yeah, too. Jorginho was getting a lot of stick last season. He's coming into his own. Kovacic is coming into his own as well. Um, obviously, two Turkish players scored this Premier League weekend. The first time it's happened since December the 1st, 2007. Um, shout out to Cech Tolson and Seyuncu of Leicester and Everton, respectively. Um, Spurs haven't lost any of their previous 38 games when Daly Ali has scored, winning 31 drawing the, the other seven before today. Obviously, they lost they well, they well lost two points after drawing against Leicester um, yesterday. So that's a positive omen for Deli Alli. And Deli Alli needs to get his season back on track. Obviously, Jamie Vardy is the first player to score 10 Premier League goals this season. Um, it's the second time he's he's been the first player to reach 10 goals this season. Um, obviously, the year Leicester went to win the league. So if we apply that same logic... This could be the the year Leicester get Champions League football, and we've got them next week. Obviously, Vardy is the king of punishing teams and it's punishing Arsenal at times. People, um, you saw his celebration taking a mick out of Crystal Palace a bit. I don't want to see that happen to Arsenal, but Jamie Vardy probably will have a party with Arsenal defenders. Um, obviously, Sadio Mane scored in the 90th minute, which is the 35th time um, Liverpool have done so. Um, in the Premier League, ten more than any other side in the in the competition's history. Five of those have come since the start of last season, more than any other team. Manchester City, for only the eighth time in the first half, failed to have a shot on target in a match under Pep Guardiola. This has only happened four times. Um, two have come at, at, at the Etihad. People, obviously, shout out to Pierre Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Seventy eight appearances claimed his fiftieth goal. If that's not a fantastic goal return, and if he hasn't been a fantastic signing, I don't know what will be. If we don't get top four or do anything of major while Bamian's here, it's our fault because we have not built around a top striker that's getting twenty league goals, which is a luxury in today's market, especially with football. And in Arsenal's case, because whatever people say about Bamian and Kane and Aguero and all of these players, there's only certain man out there in the league and Vardy that you can say if they play enough, they're getting 20 league goals. No matter what, no matter what the weather is, they're getting 20 league goals. And for me, that's an elite striker. That, that's quality strikers. Obviously, I'm using the term elite loosely. Um, but shout out to him, people. Only six players at Arsenal have reached this milestone quicker. So, by God's grace, he gets another 50 for the club. Sign a new deal, my guy. I don't think he would sign a new deal right now because it wouldn't be wise for him or any other top Arsenal player in that lineup to do it right now with the way the form of the club's been. Moving on from that, I'll leave you with the United stats. United's haul of 13 Premier League points from 11 Premier League games this season is their lowest at this stage of the top flight campaign since 1986-87. They've also failed to keep a clean sheet in any of their last 11 Premier League away games, which is their joint longest run in their joint longest run without one on the road in the competition, which was last seen of was last seen under Ferguson in 2002, August 2002 to January 2003, which is interesting considering, yeah, man, you wouldn't you wouldn't attach that with with Manchester United, but 
it is what it is. Should we have one last look for some Arsenal sort of information? Nah, there's no Arsenal news of note really. But on that note, people deluded, I'm out. Thank you for listening to another edition of the podcast. It's been a long weekend for Arsenal fans. Um, we've got two games this week. We've we've got a weird kickoff on Wednesday against Victoria, and we also have Leicester at home five thirty on Saturday. Which I know if you're like me, you'll be thinking about all week. We're playing against a team that's I believe up there for scoring the most goals in the second half. Arsenal are terrible after half time, or have been in the last two games. I can't. I do. I really need to write the script for you and tell you what happens if if Arsenal go to the King Power Stadium and mess about. You are intelligent to, to make your own conclusions up. So on that note, I'm going to get out of here. People deluded. Thank you for listening. Like I said, make sure you check out my YouTube content. Make sure you're following me on all my platforms. Link is in the description. God bless.